Welcome to the Celebration Sessions podcast with me, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. As a celebrant, I want to learn more about how we celebrate, how we fall in love, how we mark the important occasions and how we can better talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my look at the beauty of it all. And really, it's a reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. So thanks for joining me on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Hello there and welcome once again to the Celebration Sessions podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whenever it is you're tuned in. Thank you, as always, uh, for hitting download on the podcast. Um, now, straight into it, this time around, I want to introduce you to a concept which I learned a bit about previously and uh, which I very quickly discovered is somewhat of a life skill. So when I started doing improv... I realised the joy of saying yes and to life. Now, okay, while many of you, you know, may very well rather jump out of a plane with no parachute than perform improv in front of an audience, there really are some mind-blowing life skills that can come from at least learning uh, about improv. Now, I know this last year has been let's just say a wild ride for many of us, a horrendous roller coaster um, that we've all experienced differently. And I've had a few people come to me to tell me that because they haven't been working the way they wanted to work or creating the things they wanted or, you know, just being as productive as they might have liked, they felt this sense of failure. Now, some I know have been able to take the situation, um, lean into it, create new opportunities for themselves, and they're now on very different paths to to what they might have imagined or even wanted, but very happy, exciting paths, learning new skills. And when I heard that, I thought, oh yeah, that's, well, that's one of the things you learn about in improv. Instead of saying, no, I'm not meant to be here, you go with it, you turn your weird, uncomfortable situation into something, whatever that might be. And not knowing was the exciting part. So uh, joining me in this episode to uh, talk about uh, this is writer, mentor, speaker, and somebody for me who, uh, having trained in improv under him, I call him Sensei. So please welcome to the Celebration Sessions, John Dawson. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Connor. You? Good, good, very good. Thank you. Uh, delighted you're here with me for this podcast. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for asking. Thank you for your time. Um, how has this weird time been for you? Uh, weird um, uh, and challenging, as it has been for everyone. I have come to see it as sort of a unplanned forced sabbatical. Right, right. And so I have uh, been able to take take my time to develop some of my own projects good, good. and uh, uh, developing some IPs and some uh, interesting, fun things. And I also work a lot remotely, so Ooh. it hasn't really affected me that much. Uh, I work as a script uh, editor and story consultant, as you know, Indeed. as well as, as a writer myself. So I work on both sides of the fence. And that's been remote working you know, for many years. So that hasn't changed 
pandemic hasn't changed that aspect of what I do. Good, good. But certainly as a facilitator, uh, it has changed what I do uh, quite a lot. And in that, there's no you know classroom work. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> eventually, I'll do stuff online. But I, I took this opportunity to step away from facilitating for a little while uh, because I've been teaching for about 27 years part-time. And, uh, and so it was... I suppose a way to take a breath. Okay, that's you know? nice. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and it's it's a change, and and you know, change is one of the three constants in life. There's death, taxes, and change. <laughs> the first two I try to avoid. The third one I try to embrace. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, look, I guess we met uh, when I joined your workshops, um, comedy writing first, and then, in fact, into improv. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. And I always felt the universe was trying to to get the two of us together because your name had been mentioned to me on on a number of occasions, and I knew before I approached your workshop that the world of improv was somewhere that I needed to be, certainly somewhere that I that I wanted to be. And eventually the opportunity came up to, to join your workshop and I haven't looked back. Uh, it was a mind-blowing, wonderful experience. Um, tell me about your journey into and, and through improv. Well, like yourself, I, I needed it. I didn't know at the time that I needed it. Mm. Um, I knew I needed something. I had moved. Uh, I'm from Canada. I, I lived in Toronto for many years, but I wasn't from Toronto. I was from a small city outside of Toronto, Hamilton. Uh, in actual fact, quite a lot of creative people came from there. Um, Martin Short nice. came from there, and he studied at the Second City Theatre and Went off to Hollywood, and as you know, that the rest is history. Indeed, indeed. And so, um, I, and there were quite a lot of creative people from from my hometown. And when I moved uh, to from that area to Toronto, at the time I was working as a visual artist, graphic designer, and and, and an illustrator. Um, and I had my own business, and I was freelance. And there I was in this big city, and and the population of Toronto is is bigger than the population of Ireland. And it's a big cold city, and I didn't really know anybody. And I didn't, I because I was freelance, I I had to go out and hustle my own work. Fifty percent of my work was hustling the other fifty percent of the work. Nice. And I was very, I was good at the, my at my job. I was good at designing and illustrating. In fact, I did quite well as an illustrator. I worked around the world through various agents, but uh, in terms of going out and selling myself, I wasn't I wasn't that. Uh, Adept at it. I spent so much time in my head that my social skills were lacking. So, and it, and it was a lonely place. So, a childhood friend of mine had moved to Toronto, and we hung out for a little bit. And he phoned me up one day, and he said, "Do you want to go down to Second City and do uh, uh, workshop classes in improvisation?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Well, we go see their shows, and we stick around for the improv sets afterwards." I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, they they have workshops." Do you want to do it? I said, why? He said, to meet girls, you idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. So uh, I did that uh, for that reason, but not just for that reason, because I, I absolutely needed to do something yeah. to develop a social network, but also to work on myself. And as you found, uh, it develops very, very necessary life skills. It's absolutely. not just about perf- developing performing arts skills. They're life skills, and my life absolutely changed yeah. for the better. I began to, and I've always been very 
interested in storytelling, uh, my stories as well as other people's, and an avid reader of fiction. So I began as an illustrator working uh, in publishing art. So I was consumed with the stories and, and, of course, in improvisation, we are storytelling on our feet, aren't we? Absolutely. So that led to writing, and I began to write sketch comedy and and performed a lot of improvisation and began to write sketch comedy and had created some sketch comedy troops and what have you. And then that led into screenwriting. And I've always been a film geek, and uh, living in Toronto was a per- perfect place because TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, is oh, the indeed. second largest in the world, and I would go every year. And um, uh, I just consume myself with with films. And if I wasn't in the cinema, I was uh, at the theater. And if I wasn't in the theater, I was in a comedy club. Wow. So that was my social life. And what eventually ha- happened was my passionate hobby, uh, the performing arts, and, and uh, took over from the visual arts. So that muse called me louder. And so I very organically moved towards the dramatic arts. And because I was writing, uh, screenwriting, I was offered um, a job here in Ireland 20 some odd years ago. And that was to write a script for, uh, for an animated feature film. And I knew the producers, and they were ex of the Don Bluth studio. And oh, of course, right. Yeah, of course. He basically you know, kickstarted the whole industry here. They eventually led to and, uh, Brown Bag. I, that's I think right. that's the, the route they took, yeah. 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 Well, there are some people from Brown... Well, there certainly were brown bag people yeah. working for Bluth, and then they went off and did their own thing, and and Cartoon Saloon, and two companies I've I've worked with super, uh, in the past. Super. I've done... I've been commissioned by them to teach workshops to their employees uh, in storytelling and screenwriting and, and improvisation. And uh, so uh, I, I had been to Ireland before. I had a great time. I was here 30 years ago to be the best man at an Irish wedding. Um, okay. And no one told me, by the way, that, that the best man was also MC. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't know until I got here. And, and, and because in Canada, it can be a different job, right? Yeah. 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 yeah but, it can be, but here, they said, oh, no. Didn't you know? I said, no, no, I didn't know at all. No, I didn't know. So uh, I, 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 and I had a ball. And I, 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 it was 350 people out of the Kleine Court Hotel, nice. uh, which is gone now. Yeah. And uh, I had been performing a lot. So I wasn't at all nervous. I, the only thing I was apprehensive about was getting the, you know, the protocol wrong, you know, how to say what, when, and, and what have you. But I pretended that I was nervous and that I had prepared for six months. And I had a, an, an absolute ball with it. And uh, uh, I had a really good time, and I, I enjoyed myself in Ireland a lot. And back then, you know, there was no Celtic Tiger. You know, people right. didn't have oh, they didn't have two nickels to rub mm-hmm. together. But everyone was so generous and, and so lovely, and and it was so much fun. I promised I would come back. And then when I got the opportunity, you know, ten years later to write the screenplay, I said sure. I said yes, and yes, and. and uh, yeah. I I wasn't very happy in Toronto. I needed a change. I came over to do research uh, for the screenplay, and I just forgot to go back. Wow! And, so and we back. are delighted that that is the case. Uh, we're delighted, well, delighted. You. And obviously, look, we're having this conversation about improv as a life skill, uh, saying yes and going with it. Now, we do have to say for listeners, hmm. you don't necessarily have to get up on a stage to perform improv, but by way of of discussing the benefits and the life skills, the idea that, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're right there in the moment and um, 
anything else you've got going on in your life, whatever anxieties you have in your mind, they they take a back seat. Yes. You're not anxious about what might happen because not knowing what might happen is when the magic itself happens. And um Absolutely. And that's when life takes you in unexpected directions. So what's your sense of the benefits of improv as a life skill? Well, I think um, it develops a, a mental, emotional agility like nothing else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it enables us to get rid of that inner editor in our head that prevents us from being truthful uh, for the fear of being judged. And... When we're on stage together, collaborating to create something, I have to focus all my attention on my scene partner or partners, and I have to be actively listening, and I have to be active in that moment, sharing ideas, building ideas together. I don't have time to second-guess one of my impulses or theirs, and I believe that it, it, it increases our concentration skills, our memory skills enormously. Um, and it's all taught through, as you, as you know yourself, through exercises and games. Yeah. So yeah. it's so beneficial for us because we are enjoying it as we are learning. And I, I, I take that very seriously. I, 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 and one of my mottos you may remember is I take, being silly very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason is, is that we come into the world knowing how to play, like all baby animals. We may not know how to play structured games or sports per se, but we, we play. We naturally know how to play. We play with, by ourselves. We play in, instantly with other children that we've never met. You'll see other animals do that as well. It's natural. We naturally learn through play, and uh, we did for quite a long time until our formal educations began, and then maybe a little less so now, but back in, in my time, it was life was bifurcated into work and play. Yeah. So if you worked hard, you were allowed to play as a reward. Indeed. And, uh, and suddenly we begin to split the two. And how many times do you recall – being told when you were young, stop playing around. You're always playing. And in fact, that's because you want to. It's your natural orientation. It's our natural orientation. Yeah. So within the workshops, as you recall, we play exercises and games. And, and my task as the facilitator is to create a space, not necessarily a physical space, but an emotional space where that play can occur and no one is judged Absolutely. if something goes wrong. Because it's in the mistakes where we learn and where we have fun. Hmm. And if we're having fun, we learn. Yeah. If we're not having fun, we, we will not retain it. And this is just a fact. We, and we also don't learn anything from someone we don't like. So if our facilitator or our group leader or our manager is uh, authoritative and abusive and lacks empathy, we will not be working at our, at our best. Yeah. We will be doing everything possible to prevent ourselves from being um, affected negatively. Most importantly uh, and most often – 
being humiliated. Yeah. Like humiliation yeah. is a learned fear. We didn't come into the world with it. We ran around like screaming little egomaniacs. We laughed, we cried, we did whatever we wanted. And then we were eventually you know, socialized and, and because you know, there are rules to living in society and rules to being in a classroom and what have you in a workspace. But then we hit the teen years and, oh, God, remember yeah. those? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're and, getting you know, a bit further want, away from you now at the moment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm even further, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm going full circle. I'm coming back to it now. And, uh, and, and you want to fit in, but you also want to be an individual yeah, yeah. and – you most of all you learn that you don't want to be humiliated and those fears uh i think are really nurtured <laughs> during that time and then they stick with people sometimes all of their lives yeah, yeah, yeah. and not necessarily consciously but they do yeah. and so uh i know myself as a visual artist this might come as a surprise to you since you know me from the workshops and from performing but i'm an introvert that doesn't mean i'm shy it means i really get I, I, my energy comes from my time alone yes and that is in fact the very reason why i needed to go to second city 30 some odd years ago because that uh, in fact it disabled me from being able to promote myself yeah, yeah. as an artist you know and so uh, the space uh, is so important. And this is what I discovered at the Second City Theater where I trained in Toronto, Second City being pretty much the epicenter for this kind of Absolutely. training. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Um, you mentioned humiliation there. I guess there are, you know, fair enough, so many negative connotations. I'm thinking of, of failure as well as an idea. There's such a, a negative perception to the idea of failure. Um, f failure is such a, a dirty word, but in reality, it's a wonderful opportunity to potentially learn or take things in new directions. And I remember we discussed this uh, before, some of the amazing inventions, for example, that exist and that came about as a result yes. of yes. a failure. So the inventors were trying to make yes. something else and when that failed, instead we got something else. So whether it's the microwave oven, uh, Coca-Cola, I know we always joked about Viagra as yeah. well, that came about that as, a, side effect. Um, as a result of, of an accidental discovery. So where did this idea that failure is such a negative thing, um, in, instead of being an, an, an opportunity for potential, where did that come from? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I'm the right person to ask. I would be no authority on that, but it would strike me that it was when, because of a of of, of an empirical uh, structure to to creating uh, to hierarchical structures, and hierarchical structures are, exist everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the idea of the pyramid structure of some, some person or persons at the top and, and then and, and we move down. And as we move down, the next level of, of individuals have uh, authority but less than the ones above them and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> that structure would then, by, by its very design, negate um, – creativity from the people mm -hmm. at the bottom when in fact there could be great creativity there that cannot be nurtured uh, and harvested because of this, the pyramid structure itself. Yeah, yeah. And so if you've noticed this 
I hope you've noticed in the workshops that you've done with me is that as my role is is not to be the all being an, an all knowing leader. It is I've always thought of myself as a guide. Mm, yeah, yeah. And a creator of a space where people can safely self learn. Yeah. Yeah. Without any yeah. need to feel humiliated. Very nice. Because everyone's idea, uh, everyone has ideas and no one person in the room is smarter than everyone in the room thinking together. Yeah. And, and I think it was an opportunity as well to let go. You, you being a, a guide allowed us to create that space where we could let go of our anxieties. And and look, by the way, there are so many different types of anxieties. I know people certainly of my generation and, and, and younger, who, who don't like answering the phone. If they see the phone ring and they don't know the number, it sends them um, into into a panic. Mm. Some people don't like meeting new people. They've got different levels of social anxieties. But I think your workshop, and certainly my time spent in your workshop, allowed me to think, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Sure. You know, I'll answer the phone or I'll meet that new person. Um and look, we're talking about improv. Really, when you think about it, the whole world is an improv. It is. We haven't practiced this conversation, but no. we're able to to roll it out. Really, our our, our whole lives are, are a form of improv. They are. Whether we like it or not, they are. And change is going to happen to us, whether we uh, create that change uh, or the change is coming from external forces. It's all how we adapt. Uh, so I come back to a mental, emotional agility. And and that is to be adaptable, uh, to be a bit more, if I may, Taoist about yeah, it. Very good. And nice. I think that um, when we come back to the, this idea of failure, you know, Winston Churchill said, never let a, a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> and I love that quote because – I think as improvisers, one thing that improv does is it teaches you to capitalize on on mistakes and screw-ups because even a bad idea can be a bridge to a, a good one. Fundamentally, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I didn't know that uh, by going to the Second City Theater 30-odd years ago in Toronto – that the direction of my life would change. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea. I had every intention of being a visual artist all of my life, professional visual artist of some sort, probably an illustrator. But then this occurred and it opened up doors in my head that I wasn't even aware that were there. And when I walked through, well, that was it, you know? And so it's, it's about capitalizing on that. And, 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 and as you recall, there's no way one can do that if one doesn't say if one doesn't learn the basic mechanics of improvisation. And the first rule is to say yes and to an opportunity or an offer as opposed to no but. Yeah, that's yeah. as you know crucial. Yeah, not you can't say yes but you have to say yes and. And the yes and for for your listeners who don't understand what I'm what I mean is if I'm in a scene with Connor and he he suggests something. Uh, makes an offer, which I, is considered an offer. My uh, the training is is such that I have to say yes and to what he's said, and then 
adds something to it. So it's not just agreeing with him. It's agreeing and adding something else. And then he has to agree and add something else. And therefore, whatever we do progresses. But if I'm saying no, but I'm stopping him, I'm blocking him each and every time and vice versa. And there's no way that that can proceed. So as you recall, Connor, the exercises we would do where I, you know, people would be playing in duos. I almost said work there, but I prefer play, playing in duos. <laughs> and, uh, and you'd have a scenario where you had to start everything with no but. And whatever the scenario, your little scenarios were, they would never progress. Yeah. But if you started again by saying yes and instead of no but in front of everything, the scenarios, no matter how absurd yeah. they went, progressed. And it really is a matter of rewiring how people think, because whether we know it or not, we can be very resistant to our own ideas as well as as well as others. Yes. Um, and I found that game very profound, actually, you know, for a game yeah. that we were playing for 10 adults in a room playing a big penny dropped. There was a light bulb moment when we played that game, because when somebody says when somebody says something to you and you say no and you try and take it in another direction, and then they say no, how that reflects into our everyday lives is quite profound. And, you know, and the, and the magic then that can happen when somebody in life presents you with something and you say, yeah, actually, yes, and, <laughs> you know, and you go with that. There's so much potential magic. And um, in so many yeah. different aspects, uh, really, we're talking about how your path can progress, and that could be a professional path, a social path. But there's also now, there's also the other side, and I do want to touch on on mental health as well, because the ideas that improv put forward can have a massive positive impact mm-hmm. on how we experience each of our states of mental health. It can mm-hmm. play a big part in, in lifting, at least, different anxieties that we carry around. And in fact, I remember um, when I started my workshops with you and I went to have a drink with a friend shortly afterwards and he said, uh, how are you getting on with that uh, with the improv? And I said, oh my God, I said, it's, it's amazing. Um, I said, improv should be on VHI or public healthcare as a treatment. It's just amazing. And you did actually take improv and bring it into the mental health world uh, as as well, didn't you? I did, yes. Well, I have been doing quite a lot of work in the corporate realm, and I've done a lot of, you know, this is perfect for team building, isn't it? You can imagine. And because what is a what is a team but an ensemble, you know? So well, your, your goals are slightly different, but you should ostensibly – be creating together, collaborating together to to achieve something, and just as we are within the context of, of improvisational theater. So I had worked for Twitter and Google and Airbnb and Dropbox, and and my name was bouncing around. And, and what happened was in 2013, uh, three um, uh, final year nursing students at DCU wanted to create a thesis project, and they wanted to create a drama workshop that was completely experiential. Uh, and uh, they didn't want to show at the end. They wanted just something very, very experiential for not just mental health service users, but caregivers and service providers. And my name kept coming up. So they got in touch with me, and I took a meeting with them, and they told me what they wanted. And they were basing it on a model from Finland 
where there was a, 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 a rule, an axiom, and that was hats at the door. And what, they, what that meant was is that um, because it wasn't just for caregivers, it was for service providers as well, that could be psychologists and psychiatrists and occupational therapists um, no, and caregivers, no one could say who they were or, were or what they were. Hmm. Uh, so everyone had to get up and do it, and it, it had to be experiential. And I said, oh, Great. That means the pitch is level. That's the only way I roll anyway. So it all, it's all about inclusivity and equality. So fantastic. So I created this this course and it worked exceptionally well. And uh, it to my delight. And uh, it was in association with St. James Hospital Dublin and the HSC. Um, and uh, the HSC had an, an occupational therapist there, an occupational therapy manager actually, uh, from St. Martha's, which is the mental health division of, of uh, St. James Hospital, Dublin. And she was uh, uh, very excited about it all. And she asked me to, once that wrapped up, okay. uh, to, would I continue doing um, the workshops for St. James Hospital? And I did. And then that led to me working a couple of years later for DCU's uh, new recovery college, which was out of the School of Nursing. Oh, and uh, that was the first recovery college, I believe, in Ireland. And again, that was all a mental health service users. But just a couple of years ago, um, I was able to do something that was all very gratifying. But this particular couple of courses were, were to me, personally very gratifying because I, I taught them at um, – St. Patrick's University Hospital and the mental health service there. And the reason why, Connor, is that when I was a boy, Jonathan Swift was my favorite author. Indeed. What many, yeah, what many people don't realize is that that hospital exists because of him, That's because right. he left tw about 12,000 pounds. Can you imagine how much money what, that was back then? <laughs> In his will, uh, bequeathed to, uh, to, to build a mental health institution. Uh, the first of its kind. Now, uh, he had experience with this. Apparently, there had been one in in Paris, but it wasn't really a, a hospital to speak of. And so um, they did it. Once he passed away, they used his money to build this hospital. It, it, he, it, the, he required that it be connected to a, 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 an established medical hospital. And it was the very first of its kind. So here I am, you know, all these years later, uh, do, you know, conducting my my workshops wow. there for wow. for mental health service users, the serendipity, doing the same the kinds of games and exercises that you yeah, and I did, yeah, yeah. and so Great. and so Fantastic. beneficial, so beneficial for the head as well. Absolutely, and and people, you know, say, they they say to me, I I haven't laughed in months, and and uh, and they made connections with other people there, and they which who knows, hopefully continued during their period there. Perhaps afterwards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some of the people I, I know from my Second City days 30 years ago, I still know them. So because if you recall, the things that we have to do in the workshop is we have to connect with each other. It's, it, comes down, it comes down to the, the, the four C's. We have uh, connection with other people, uh, concentration, and communication. Those three together equal collaboration. We can't have effective collaboration if we don't have the other three. And and we have to develop trust and respect. 
And do you remember all the, the fun trust games we've Absolutely, done? Absolutely, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Now, listen, I think yeah. that is actually a wonderful takeaway from this episode. So, so share that again. The three C's leading into the fourth, because that's really valuable. Connection. Sure. Connection. Yeah. You need to connect with people. And, and, and when we see someone for the first time we meet them, we're trying to make a connection, aren't we? Mm. We're playing little games. We do this dance where we're trying to connect with them and see how we relate to them. Uh, and, 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 you know, how, can we trust them? Can they trust us? So we, we do this wonderful little human dance. We concentrate on that. We have to learn how to really concentrate. And under, head, under the heading of, of concentration is, is that, you know, uh, mental agility to be focused and stay in this moment and 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 communicate that's the third c and 60 70 percent of communicating is not talking it is listening and it is not listening just to respond it is listening to understand mm. yeah many of us think we can hear very well but do we listen and what do we take on board and what do we add to it yeah as opposed to sitting there waiting to, uh, to, for your chance to respond and having a thought in your head, keeping that head open and taking it in and, and, and not just your head, but your heart. And so I believe that you have to have those three, concentration, connection, concentration, and communication, all three add up to Collaboration. collaboration collaboration and that is look that's the, the the magic life hack that i think people can take away I think um so. and i guess if i was to add anything one thing i learned from improv is that you know what you mentioned earlier the idea that saying yes and and go with it and you know Absolutely. life is an exciting journey and, and go with it and try, try i guess try not to put the brakes on it can be you know no, it can, it, absolutely. It, it can be that. And it's, and it's going to move ahead and it's going to move in directions that we cannot possibly plan for, i.e. a pandemic. Mm. How well can we adapt? Absolutely. Absolutely. How well can we adapt? Um, John, you know what? That's actually a lovely edit point to, to, to wrap it up on now because I think that brings me back almost to my starting point. Of, of people coming to me to say how much they had struggled through, through the pandemic and, and some people adapted and said yes and to the situation they found themselves in. And look, I, I don't know, but they seem to be doing reasonably well and happy and they're doing exciting new things and learning new things. And I don't know, I hope I've been able to act on some of those things as well in terms of trying new things. This podcast, for example, was born during the pandemic. I, I've, I've somewhat pivoted my career. So look, we'll wait and see. But but certainly, John, the, the sheer joy and abandon that can come from improv is, is a conversation that we can have all day. Oh, and we have and we will again. Indeed indeed um, well look we will leave it there I'm so grateful for your time thank you so much um, it's it's wonderful to see you um, John I should explain obviously this is an audio cast we're, we're communicating through uh, video so I can see you mm-hmm. and it's wonderful to see you John looking well so I'm wishing you all the best and looking forward to hopefully getting to make stuff up again with you at some stage <laughs> yes. in the future well let's hope it happens well, no let's make it happen it will it will no matter what it okay? will happen thanks so much Connor. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. 
Thanks. And if you want to find out more about John, uh, his writing, his script editing, creative services, you can head online to johndawsonwrites.com. Um, he's on Twitter with the handle at JohnnyPD. He's on LinkedIn as well as John Dawson. And what I'll do, as always, is I'll put the links um, in the episode description as well. Thanks once again to John and thanks to you, the listener, as well. Don't forget, uh, please do like, share, subscribe, get the celebration sessions out there online. I'm already working on the next episode, um, which is scheduled to be on time within the week. I have to say I'm very excited about it. It's going to come under the heading of loss. It's something that none of us seem to be talking about at the moment, certainly in Ireland, and we should. So it is going to be an interesting one. Do keep an eye out for the next episode of the Celebration Sessions podcast. Till the next time, do take care, stay safe and have a good one.